Happy holidays to everyone out there listening to this podcast. Thank you for rejoining us, and we appreciate you for allowing us to take the week off. Hopefully, you guys use the time to spend it with your family recharge. It has been a hell of a 2020, so uh, I, I know my man Steve Hamner, you know, he uh, used the time to recharge and give his family back to the Lone Star State. I did the same here in the Sunshine State. Welcome back to another episode of the QB Spotlight Podcast. As always, you can find the podcast at QB Spotlight on Twitter. You can find us on a Apple Podcast. Please feel free to leave us a review. Only way we can help this thing grow. I am Eric Henry, co-managing editor of Underdog Dynasty, FIU beat writer as well. The gentleman that you will hear in a second is the man, the myth, the legend, the guru behind QB Spotlight, our personal Gruden grinder, Mr. <laughs> Stephen Hamner. Steve, uh, December 1st, man. How was your uh, Thanksgiving? Man, Thanksgiving was great, Eric. Uh, ate a bunch, and uh, I, I don't know what the temperature was like in Florida, but it was in the 20s here in, in uh, Austin, Texas. So uh, we got jackets on and, and sweats on, uh, but good football watching weather, and you know we had a, a great time just hanging with the family. And I did no cooking, so uh, so there was no food messed up. How was uh, how was Thanksgiving over in your parts, man? First thing I'm gonna say is 20s. I have no idea. I, I once I left Chicago, I can't process those numbers. Uh, so <laughs> I'll say that to you right now. Um, no, man, it was a, it was a great Thanksgiving. Man, had a chance to uh, catch up with a lot of friends and family. Uh, you know, my strategy for Thanksgiving, Steve, while I can cook, mm -hmm. um, I, I won't turn this into the uh, you know the um, uh, Bobby Flay podcast, but. Um, I normally am tasked with a couple of things when it's a normal Thanksgiving, but due to kind of the, you know, the circumstances with COVID and whatnot, didn't do the big family get together. So right. just kind of bounced around from a Friendsgiving here, a uh, family member there and just, you know, picked a, picked up a dish from each family. That's how you got to do it, Steve. You know, so you're a married man, you know, so it, it, it's, it's not exactly how it works for you, but when you're like me and you're a single guy, you know, you got to grab from a bit from each, uh, each person <laughs> there. I ended up with a nice uh, feast here at the crib. Hey, uh, no no judgment. No, no judgment here. You got to do what you got to do, man. <laughs> no doubt about it, man. But well, before we, uh, like I guess I turn this into our things. Well, you know, really quick, Steve, we, we, we got a, we got a quick minute, man. Yeah. Um, what are three things that you absolutely need in your Thanksgiving meal besides Turkey? But so it's like right. side. side. Right. So honestly, I'm not, and, and I hope the tradition traditionalists out there, forgive me. I'm not a huge Turkey fan, so I'll eat it, whatever. Uh -huh. I, I just, take <laughs> I just need if I had just mashed potatoes, gravy, and biscuits, I could probably eat that all day. And since you said three, let's go ahead and just throw on some like some whipped cream over any dessert you want, as long as it's homemade Southern whipped cream. So uh, I'll, I'll go with mashed potatoes, gravy, biscuits, and whipped cream over dessert. Let, let, let me hear you. Let me hear your three. All right. So I, I will spare our audience, you know, for um, uh, the audience who may not know, it's not something I've gotten to in this podcast, but uh, my parents are Caribbean. So uh, I will spare the audience a, a Caribbean Thanksgiving, which is going to have all kinds of things. I'll do a traditional Thanksgiving. So got to have some macaroni and cheese. I'm a mac and cheese guy. Uh, got to have mashed potatoes. I'm a mashed potatoes guy. And I am my, for my third, either good cornbread, Southern cornbread. That's yeah. the key. Yeah. Southern cornbread or stuffing. Okay. I need one of those two. One okay. of those two, and uh, that makes my meal. And, and as far as uh, I don't have a turkey hot take, I mean, I am a turkey guy personally. Yeah. But uh, I can go with ham. I can go with chicken. I mean, you need a good meat. You know, yeah. I, I don't care what it is. It can be ribs. You know, just <laughs> we just need something to 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 pair with those sides. I'm 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 with you. I'm with you on that. <laughs> All right. Before we uh get the listeners here too hungry, we'll jump into what you come to us for, and that is QB talk, football talk. Um, it's been a couple of weeks, so we're going to jump right into week 13. 
And Steve, uh, a guy that we have not talked about because he made his first career start for the Utah State program, the the Aggies, if my memory serves me correct, of Utah State, Andrew okay. Peasley. What'd you see of him? Yeah, so he so this was the only college game on Thanksgiving Day because I forget the other game, but it got uh, postponed or canceled due to COVID, and um, you know the NFL game that night got postponed, and it's still postponed. The, the Ravens Steelers, are, I think, they're supposed to play tomorrow, but. So the only game that night was Utah State against New Mexico, I believe, and Andrew Peasley making his first career start. Uh, Jason Shelley, the original starting quarterback, was uh, was dismissed a few weeks ago for uh, reasons we do not know. And then the, the head coach was also let go. Um, and so Andrew Peasley, uh, I believe a red shirt sophomore. Don't quote me on that. Maybe you can fact check for me, Eric, as I'm talking. But uh, Andrew Peasley making his first career start. Uh, has four total touchdowns, three through the air, 239 yards passing, over 100 yards rushing. Uh, so I, I know Utah State fans kind of had a, a rough start to the year and, you know, uh, a disappointing uh, year uh, with Jordan Love leaving them after last year, that the NFL quarterback got to the Packers and the quarterback who was supposed to take over transferring to Texas Tech once Jason Shelley transferred in. And so it was nice to see Andrew Peasley uh, kind of step in that role and, provide some quality, quality quarterback play. And he showed some athleticism as well and got Utah State to have their first win uh, against New Mexico. So for any any Aggie fans up north, uh, I think y'all got y'all's quarterback for the foreseeable future. Steve, that is why I'm here, to fact check and make sure you know we're all on point, right? You help me out, I'll help you out. Andrew Peasley is a redshirt sophomore, so you nailed it, hit the nail on the head right there. Uh, let's transition into a high-scoring game. Yeah. The UCF uh, Twitter mafia, UCF fan contingency, was not happy with the amount of points that South Florida USF Bulls put up in a losing effort. But nevertheless, um, I, I know they're, uh, they're disappointed with Randy Shannon for a myriad of reasons. But let's go ahead and talk about the quarterback of the Bulls. And that's Jordan McLeod, over 400 yards passing. Just want to hear what you uh, what you thought from him and his performance. And I had a chance to watch most of that game as well, so I'll kind of get some quick thoughts after you. Right, so – uh, obviously, obviously, of course, it was a great game from McLeod. I don't want to take anything away from him just because it's been a rough season for the Bulls. And anytime you throw over 400 yards and four touchdowns, even if against, even if it's against air, uh, that's a, that's a quality uh, performance, a quality practice if you're just practicing. Uh, however, he so McLeod has nine total t- passing touchdowns on the year, and and four of those came against UCF. And and we all know UCF's defense is is you know not a not 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 a top tier defense for for lack of a better term. So it kind of goes hand in hand where it's like, okay, it's UCS defense. So how much stock do you put into it? But at the same time, they've had so much struggle for the most part, the quarterback position that, you know, it's the best, it's the best performance by any, any USF quarterback this year. So I think that is exciting for USF. Uh, and Eric, I'm interested to know what's a, what's your burner account on Twitter for uh, leading the UCF market charge. <laughs> Absolutely no burner account, sir. I am an unbiased uh, ethical journalist, so no burner account there. And uh, I, we can, Steve, you're trying to get me ejected from from you know my uh, my uh, alumni base. I will say this: yeah. there are a lot of there are a lot of passionate UCF fans out there on Twitter. Uh, some of it, some of whom listen to this podcast. I, I I'll say this: they their passion comes through, and I think you know to an extent it's fair to uh, to think that the program should be doing better. I guess my POV is always going to be that of the guy who was there from 2011 to 2015 and saw a Fiesta Bowl win 
but also, you know, a five win year and also saw a winless year. So um, I, I, I don't echo the, the sentiments of, uh, of UCF Twitter Mafia in that respect. But to bring it back to football, as to your point, Steve, UCF is ranked 92nd in the nation in passing yards allowed per game, allowing 258.4. Obviously, Jordan McLeod eclipsed that number by about a buck 50. So, you know, w- with all things considered, Steve, before we transition, I, I think this was my thing. Yeah. I think USF is going to be a program to watch. I, I will tell anybody who will listen. The, the, the program arc of USF is one that's interesting and in that they've had a, extreme highs, that being number two in the nation around these parts of the year 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bulls fans will not let you forget that they were ranked number two in the nation for a, a point in time, right? But with that being said, they've also seen some lows. Uh, the time right before Willie Taggart, the Skip Holtz era, and also kind of what you're dealing with now. And I, and I think the situation is that this is kind of my broader point, Steve. This area is so talented with with quarterback play yeah. that eventually the, the program will get better. You know, th- there's there's no reason to think that it, they eventually won't get back to a, a top 25 type program. So uh, to bring it all the way around, at the end of the year, I expected to see a better and more efficient USF football team than we saw at the beginning of the year. And yep. that's why I think what was really reflected in this performance. Yep. Yep. No, I agree with that. And I, I think at the same time, you know, it's a first year coach, but it's a coach, you know, we've talked off air that we think pretty highly of, and, uh, you know, helped that build that great program at Clemson. So I think as long as USC, USF fans, you know, have some patience, maybe some more grown pains next year, but I, I think next year it's not too early to see improvement, you know, especially the year. So, and you're right about the talent, the talent in that area is, you know, it, it, it's like Texas talent is everywhere in Florida. So. No doubt about it. So let's go and transition, Steve, to something that you brought up. And I think it's pretty interesting. You know, Pro Football Focus does their college football ranking list of quarterbacks, you know, do it at the beginning of the year. And they come around and kind of do it around this time of the year. And I think if my memory serves me correct, we'll get one more at the conclusion of the year. And Steve, you went ahead and did the effort. You know, I got to give you kudos here of, 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 of putting the effort here. You kind of singled out the or you pulled out the G5 quarterbacks here, and there are a lot of, of guys on this list. Obviously, you know, plenty of G5 quarterbacks among the 125 or 127. I think we got, we've got a full yeah. 127 playing so far. So, Steve, want to ask you this. You know, we'll leave Pro Football Focus's rankings to themselves and kind of the way they do things. This is QB Spotlight. I want to know if you were doing this, what are some of the things that you would have done differently and kind of how you would have uh, run them down? Right. And and uh, just to kind of echo um, – what you just said, like this is PFF's uh, ranking, and you know they do di- things differently than, than ours. And if you're interested in the in the article, you can just you know type in uh, college football quarterback rankings PFF November, and you know this article will pop up, and you can kind of see uh, the art the uh, the rankings that we're kind of going off of. But here's here's my first takeaway, and I'm definitely interested to get your thoughts because it cool. is the uh, it is uh, involving conference USA quarterbacks. So the first conference USA quarterback that is on this list is Grant Wells, and he's at number 22 uh, overall, which I think is a pretty fair uh, ranking, if not even, you know, high for, for him. Uh, but he's def- he definitely should be the number one quarterback in Conference USA. And so here's where I would do things differently uh, uh, as, as far as the rankings in Conference USA goes. So you have Grant Wells, number one. I, I think we both agree, no argument there. Number two and this is quarterback situation, not just quarterback, quarterback situation, according to this list, is Asanani and Jason Bean at North Texas. And this list has them number 35 overall, number two in Conference USA. 
And so I think there's an argument about who you would have at number two. I think people can make a a Chris Reynolds argument. People, uh, you can even make an Astro Hair argument with with how much you know. Uh, Middle Tennessee relies on him. You can make a Frank Harris argument. Uh, I'm sure I'm leaving some some guys out, but just off the top of my head, those are some guys you can make an argument for number two. But I think with UNT and, and with the with the UNT being at number two, I, man, I, I think there's probably at least half a dozen guys you would probably put in head ahead of them right now this season. Jason Bean is someone that we both have talked about and I, I'm kind of high on, but like last week he got pulled for Austin Ani. He, he struggled against uh, UTSA and UTSA blew him out. So I'm interested to see who you would put number two here. Uh, I don't know if I have a set number two for Conference USA, but it definitely would not be the, the Austin Ani, Jason Bean combo. If, if anything, they're, I mean, they're, they're probably bottom half for this year uh, in Conference USA. Steve, really quick, you yeah. said that you probably find a half dozen guys. Was that in reference to Conference USA that you Con- put over? Conference USA, yes, yes. So okay. I'm talking about, yeah, so so they're number two out of all Conference USA quarterbacks. Right, list. right. Yeah. Okay, so I, I would disagree with that a little bit. You know, the, the fact of the matter is this is Conference USA. It's been, a, you know, I'd call it a down year as far as quarterbacks. And that's not necessarily saying that we don't see potential in the quarterbacks as much as you know, it's been a crazy year. Uh, quick sidebar to kind of give you an idea of how crazy it is. Uh, it just came across my notes that Bob Stoops has returned to coach Oklahoma this week with Lincoln Riley being out. That is goes to show you how crazy it's been. Uh, it's yep. nice to have a, a college football Hall of Famer on your side, uh, you know, just laying around who can come in and pinch hit for a week. But, uh, you know, that should good, kind of give you an idea of how crazy this year has been. But um, I, I don't know if I'd say half a dozen guys. This is what I would say about North Texas's quarterback situation. Steve. Jalen Darden has 58 catches for 882 yards and 12 touchdowns. The next leading receiver is Deontay Simpson with 18 catches for 350 yards and three scores, followed by Austin Ackerman with 13 catches for 182 and no touchdowns. I say that to say this. Jalen Darden has been UNT's best quarterback situation this year. And that's not to say that Jason Bean and Austin Ani aren't talented players, but I really think, especially when you look at the ball distribution, Jalen Darden deserves it, you know, put it to you this way, Steve. And, and yes, a quarterback can only be as good as his receivers and vice versa, but Jalen Darden is making these guys pretty viable. I mean, that's, that's fair to say just based on the, the sheer, you know, volume he's, he's equaling, you know, I can do the quick math here, 20, 30, 40, more or less, he's going to equal the top seven receivers of North Texas with his own production. Right. So I, I think that's a fair argument. So so here's what I would do to just counter that. Sure. Uh, sum up quickly. So I think I'm just going to name a play, a name a name a team, and, and I'll name their quarterback, and you tell me if you put them ahead of them. Not projecting for next year, or just just as of right now goes. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, so Asher O'Hara, I'm assuming ahead of them right now, right? Asher's come around uh, the end of the uh, the the last few weeks. So yes. Uh, Chris Reynolds. I don't necessarily have an issue with not putting Reynolds there only because of the lack of games that Charlotte has played. Um, uh, quickly on the fly here are Chris Reynolds, five games, uh, 58% completion percentage, 1,100 yards, six touchdowns, two interceptions. going to quickly look at his game log. Uh, Steve, give me your next guy before I – and I'll complete my thought on Chris Reynolds. So my, my next guy, and I think you would definitely take this guy just for the fact of, you know, he's leading a winning team is Frank Harris at UTSA. Uh, 
Frank Harris has missed a lot of the year, man. That's why Frank Harris. Okay, so hold on again, again. All right, you know what? I, I apologize. I'll pull back. Yeah, um, I, I actually didn't realize, and, and I should know this covering CUSA, that while Frank Harris had had the injuries, um, he's actually played in most of the game. So I take that back. I would take Frank Harris. Look at his numbers right here. 64% completion percentage. Obviously, what he can do as a rusher, 10 touchdowns, five interceptions. I'll take Frank Harris, yes. And, and the fact that you know they just played head-to-head, I think it's fair that, you know, and Frank Harris is number 70. Obviously, you know, wins don't make good quarterbacks, but Frank Harris at number 72 on the list with Austin Ani and Jason being up, you know, double them. So I, yeah, I, I really, really quick, Steve, I just want to uh, make this point. So I, I had I had said that uh that Frank Harris had missed some time. There was three the three-game stretch in which we got 13 attempts, 13 attempts, and eight attempts. Uh, Middle Tennessee, BYU, Army. But he has started the last five. So, uh, I mean, correct myself on Frank Harris. I, I apologize. My apology. Go ahead, Steve. You're good. And then I think in any normal year, just and I know Southern Miss is an absolute, you know, it's just, it's a it's a crazy year for Southern Miss. But most years, you're definitely taking Jack Abraham ahead of, you know, Austin Ani and Jason Bean, correct? Correct. Okay. Correct. So, I think, so I think, I think, I don't think either of us are right or wrong. I think that this Austin Jason Bean combo is probably right in the middle, and you're probably going to mash them up with, you know, Louisiana Tech, Louisiana Tech's combo of Luke Anthony and uh, Aaron Allen. Uh, probably Rice's guy Mike Collins. Uh, probably UTEP uh, uh, Gavin Hardison. So I think that's probably fair to say that we can put O'Hara, we can put Frank Harris, we can put Jack Abraham. Uh, of course, uh, Grant Wells, and then debatable, but I would say most years you put Chris Reynolds ahead of the the Austinani Jason Bean combo, and I think after that you can kind of mash uh, those rankings however you see fit uh, with the, the Rice, Louisiana Tech, and so on. Steve, let me ask you this because I'm just kind of taking a look at your notes here, and yeah. I did find this interesting as well. Um, the few the four Sun Belt quarterbacks ranked that is Zach Thomas. Yeah, I think that's something, you know, I'll let you opine on that. Yeah, so this is another thing where, you know, like this is a this is a hard list to make, you know, you're ranking 127 guys. So it you I just don't know what they got the ranking from with with Zach Thomas being a former Sunbelt offensive uh conference player of the year a few years ago. He's at number 68. And so the the Sunbelt players that you have ranked in front of Zach Thomas and I'll go down this list. So Zach Thomas number 68. We have Levi Lewis at number 53. Uh, we have Lane Hatcher, Logan Bonner at number 47. And then we have Grayson McCall at number – oh, I'm, I'm sorry. We have Gunnar Watson from Troy at number 61. So he's he's in between Levi Lewis and Zach Thomas. And then we have Grayson McCall at number 19, which I have no problem with at all, uh, playing uh, having a fantastic season uh, as, as a freshman. So uh, – for me, I'm having Zach Thomas at number. He's he'd be my so Zach Thomas is the number fifth quarterback corner of this list in the Sun Belt. Um, so me, I'm having Zach Thomas number two this year behind Grayson McCall, uh, and then I'm probably having mm, probably Levi Lewis, and then I'm having a the Lane Lane back uh, Lane Hatcher Logan Bonner combo and then i'm probably having gunner watson last because he's only played a few games this is his first year starting for troy and and app state just beat troy 40 something to 17 and thomas was dominant so um th- that is how i would redo this and i know you know pff has their own rankings like like we've talked about but i just you know I, it it just didn't make sense to have four ahead of him so that that's kind of why how i would rearrange things as, as far as the sunbelt rankings go 
I'll go ahead and cap it on this. Here's one that stood out to me. We've talked about this guy a lot on this podcast. We've talked about him or he's been talked about his entire career. I agree that, you know, Brady White is ranked, what is he, 70 something here? Uh, I'm looking really quick, 62nd. And if you want to say he's 62nd, uh, I, I would respectfully disagree. I don't think there's, you know, as you've got here, what do we got? Two, four, 17 other G5 quarterbacks ahead of him. I just think if I'm if I need one guy to win a game, Brady White's going to be in my top ten as far as G5 quarterback. So that's the one thing I will uh, opine on that. Uh, did you want to give your opinion on that, or are you uh, you pretty much in agreement? No, yeah, I, I agree 100. percent And you know, despite you know Brady White having kind of like blog games here and there, uh, he, he, you'd still you'd probably take him top five if you had one game to win. You know, for for any G5 quarterback. So really quick, an exercise I wanted to kind of get in here. And for those of you listening, we're not going to do the uh, next week preview. We're going to kind of piggyback, excuse me, we're going to kind of um, put a hold on that one as we'll come back and recap what we saw uh, in our following podcast. We'll kind of give you guys something else, you know, to kind of uh, chew on here. Kind of just, you know, some things that have been on Steve and I's mind since we took the uh, the holiday off here. Steve, I went ahead and kind of took the liberty of kind of just looking at Quarterback for the future, right? You know, we talked about the the big name guys, uh, the Brady Weiss, the Shane Bichels, you know, Zach Smiths, guys who you know are, are going to um, transition to you know their the next career, next part of the career with the NFL or elsewhere. But let's talk about some of the young guys here, Steve. So I want to ask you this: of the underclassmen, and I didn't put this in the note. I should have taken this uh, and, and told you ahead of time. Let's not put Dylan Gabriel. I think Dylan Gabriel's an established brand as a as a quarterback. You know, we're, we're probably yeah. taking him above. 10 quarterbacks, you know, or in our top 10 quarterbacks overall. But outside of uh, someone who's established like Dylan Gabriel, underclassmen quarterbacks, and I want to start with the American, right? I want to throw out a couple names at you. Michael Pratt yep. and Jordan McLeod. And then Michael Pratt actually just lost his offensive coordinator today and Will Hall, who was taking the Southern Miss job. But uh, uh-huh. of those two guys, just kind of give me your thoughts on on um, both Pratt and McLeod and kind of uh, what you think kind of like the ceiling is for them heading forward. Yeah, so I think Pratt have, has. I'll start with Michael Pratt, who's someone we've we've talked uh, on the podcast here and there uh, at times. I think he's got a a, a high ceiling. Uh, I imagine they will bring in an offensive coordinator. And this is the first. This is the news. This is the first time I've heard of Will, will Hall taking the Southern Miss job. But I imagine they they will bring in someone with a similar mindset as as, uh, as Will Hall. But I think with Pratt, you've already seen uh, you've already seen his development, and so I think his ceiling is I think he, his ceiling, he has more room to go to first ceiling, right? He's a true freshman and, and, you know, every game, but maybe one or two, I can't remember off the top of my head. Maybe you can fact check for me, but every game that he started in, they've scored at least 38 points. I know that the game against Tulsa a week or two ago, they did not. But besides that, every game they started, he started, he, they've scored at least 38 points, which for a two-lane team that's known for, you know, running the ball and, and playing defense, that's a lot of points. So I think if you're a Chilean fan, you're pretty excited for that true freshman. And McLeod from USF, I think it's kind of hard to, to judge him too too much yet for the fact, you know, he's had two different coaching uh, – coaching, he's been under two different coaching systems. And this is his, you know, first year under this new one, and he – the most recent, like recency bias, if you just go off the last game, like, wow, yeah, 400 yards passing, four touchdowns, great. But if you take the whole season to account, there have obviously been ups and downs. Other quarterbacks have started in his place. You know, he's been benched at times. So 
I think another year of development with this coaching staff that, you know, having an actual off season, one they did not have could be beneficial for him. So I think it's too early in, in his career to put any ceiling on it, but I do think that he's shown, okay, the floor is not as low as maybe some of the games that he struggled in that maybe you thought the floor is pretty low. The floor is not that low. And this is a guy you can kind of build around. Well, let me ask you this. Cause I, like you mentioned, it's a little bit early to kind of, you know, maybe project, you know, this, that, and the other, but in terms of what you see in the offense they're running under Charlie Weiss Jr., do you think necessarily that his skill set transitioned well to that offense? And let's just take a look at some of the guys. The last quarterback to run that system was Chris Robinson. Not to say that Charlie Weiss's offense can't be adapted, but just want to ask you, you know, based on what you kind of remember seeing from the last two years of FAU football and now at USF, uh, just does that change your perspective at all? So I, I, I that's a great comparison, actually. So the, the if, CUSA fans remember that Chris Robinson, his first year starting for FAU, struggled. You know, was his touchdown to interception ratio was if it wasn't one to one, it was very close. You know, he had like 15 touchdowns, 15 picks, or 12 and 12, something along those lines. The next year, he came out, he came out and was arguably the best quarterback in conference. He was saying a lot of that had to do with being comfortable in the pocket, having much better footwork, and being efficient and decisive. And that comes with being familiar with the offense. So to answer your question, Eric, I think yes, if McLeod gets more familiar with the offense, then 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 the offense can kind of uh, adapt their their style around how McLeod fits. And I think McLeod's a better throw than people think. Yes, he's a good athlete, but if, if you can get him confident and, and understand the offense, and I think he can make that offense work. At the same time, you know, they're probably at recruiting. They're looking for guys that, quote-unquote, fit their, their, uh, their style of offense that they're running. Uh, but I think it comes back to can he be comfortable in the pocket and can he be comfortable in the offense as a whole? And then, like we saw with Robinson, things just tend to clear to, to clean up over time. So I, I think the answer is yes, but it's still, like you said, a wait and see type deal. So, yeah. And, and, and you know, your, your numbers were correct on Chris Robinson. He was something like 15 and 14. So I remember that at the top of my head, let's uh, let's transition to the Sun Belt here and a guy who both of us really like a lot, Cornelius Brown at Georgia state. You got uh, um, McC- Grayson McCall at coastal Carolina, Brady McBride, uh, according to the Sun Belt website con is the sunbelt conference website excuse me he's listed as a freshman brady mcbride is a sophomore it might just be a typo there on the on the website and then desmond trotter colby suits and lane hatcher so threw a lot of names out there at you but just you know kind of pick them apart if you want to take you know two or three you want to spotlight uh have at it yeah so i'll I'll talk on trotter briefly because i want to touch on him he's someone that we both like and you know he, he has south alabama to being a very respectable team that just beat arkansas state so i think high future or, or high ceiling for him as as it relates to that conference cornelius brown again they just beat georgia southern he just threw for over 300 something yards for the third time this season which is which is a, a good stat to have as a redshirt freshman i think the ceiling is very high with him grayson mccall someone we've talked a lot about i think he's probably the the he's the most exciting player to watch right now and in, in the Sun Belt and just because he's playing you know he, he's he's the best quarterback as of now and the fact that their offense is so fun to watch uh, he's got a huge future. I, I view him as like a like a Dylan Gabriel. It's you know he's the best in conference right now, so it's almost like okay, you know he's set in stone for the next few years. And then the the interesting one, so Kobe Suits, uh, he just got benched, I believe, and some uh, so he didn't start the last few games. And I'm not sure, man. Honestly, I'm not sure what's going on with Gil Monroe. They just got pounded by Louisiana. And then the most interesting prospect to me uh, comes down to the Lane Hatcher and, and Logan Bonner. Uh, combination is what's going to happen this offseason. We're not reporting that anyone's transferring by any means, but you know it's always a possibility. 
Uh, you know, Lane Hatcher was uh, the what co-freshman uh, Sunbelt Player of the Year last year, or maybe wasn't co, maybe was the Sunbelt Freshman Player of the Year last year. Um, and so with him and Logan Bonner going back and forth and, and you know, still switching, uh, still switching time. I think that's going to be interesting to see how that plays off this off season. And, you know, is that something they continue, but you know, like we've talked, Oh, sorry. I know I'm just kind of rambling on, but Brady McBride with Texas state had an awesome finish to the season. Uh, and it's pretty impressive that Texas state got 12 games in. I don't think they had any cancellations with this kind of COVID era. So uh, kind of kudos to them and that whole, program for you know keeping keeping you know safe and healthy and able to get all those games in but yeah brady mcbride someone i'm excited for and someone who with more experience can you know have a bright future in the sun belt and now let's go and transition into conference usa obviously we got grant wells who we don't quite think is dylan gabriel level chess yet despite the fact he's having an excellent year he's still someone who can kind of lump into this list gavin hardison at utep austin ani of north texas and bryson lacero of UAB. So I think I think you'd probably agree with this one. The, the Braxton Lucero and you know TJ three. Uh, I, I know you TJ three is a junior, but the fact that he'll still be there, uh, I think that's an interesting uh, nugget with you know what happens with Lucero and, and what happens this off season. And uh, is that are they going to have those same quarterbacks next year, or you know could we see you know a, a change happen? Uh, Asanani. <clears throat> And Jason Bean, both, you know, sophomore and freshman, who we've talked about, uh, you know, at the beginning of the podcast with the uh, PFF list. Uh, the, those are two guys who, again, I feel like uh, I'm just repeating myself, but I think this offseason is going to be so big. And, you know, what changes happen, what transfers happen, and that's not something we're going to get in yet. But I think we'll, we'll start seeing some kind of uh, uh, changes and we'll start the, – the, the painting will become much more clear as the offseason goes on. Uh, and I think we'll be able to get a good idea of, okay, okay, who actually has a higher ceiling uh, once this offseason goes on? And then with Grant Wells, man, yeah, definitely not Dylan Gabriel-ish yet, uh, but someone who throws a great deep ball and who's just like mechanically sound and very efficient, and he's exactly what Marshall needs. But I think he could be like a – I think he is an NFL-quality guy if you give him a few years to develop. So I think he's got a very high ceiling, and this might be Marshall's window. You know, they've had some kind of underperforming teams the past few years, seven, eight-ish wins, that type of kind of ballpark with a lot of talent. So I think this is their window these next few years to make a few runs at a Conference USA championship. And one other guy I want to mention just briefly that on the list, and you've, you've actually seen him play. You probably have more on this than I do, but just someone to remember is, is Old Dominion's quarterback Hayden Wolf, who I guess will be a, what, a redshirt freshman next year because he because technically this year doesn't count. So he's someone who, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, you know, uh, assuming he takes over that role, had a good end of the season last year. So just someone to keep in the back of your mind if you're a Conference USA fan and interested in kind of the the quarterback position and who's going to be playing what uh as you chant as we transition into the offseason someone to to remember hayden wolf and that entire old dominion team is one that obviously got you know right with rightfully so forgotten because of the fact they didn't play football this year but hayden wolf had a game and steve i wonder if you can remember off the top of your head i believe oh man i cannot remember the opponent i'll have to go look it up but hayden wolf had a game i might have been his third career start that he slung the rock 70 times yeah, <laughs> and that kind of showed me what he was made of. You know, the fact he was able to stand there as a uh, uh, you know a guy on a team that was going winless, uh, a head coach that you know was on his way out the door, and and, and not of his own volition. You know, was going to be dismissed 
um, and Bobby Wilder, you know, just tough situation to walk into and was in there just stepping in left, right, left, right. I remember he missed his next start against FAU because of the fact that he got a little bit banged up in that game. I believe the shoulder had some issues. So definitely am a, a Hayden Wolf fan there. So Steve, want to finish on this one really quick. I think this is a, a very interesting way of looking at this. Remember the names you just looked at. I'm going to go back to the American. Quarterback, head coach combinations. We're excluding Dylan Gabriel. So we'll start with Tulane. Michael Pratt, Willie Fritz, mm-hmm. and then Jordan McLeod, Jeff Scott. Ooh, um, that's I, tough. I, yeah, I'll let you take away with those. Oh, man. Um, man, I'm a just uh... – I think the I think the conservative side of me wants to go with uh, with Pratt and Fitz just because of what they've uh, excuse me Pratt and Fritz because of what what they've shown so far. But um, I might go with Jeff Scott and, and McLeod just because I think that's a sexier pick maybe, and because the fact of I'm just envisioning what happened to Clemson coming down and, and being you know relative to USF. I'm, I'm just envisioning that kind of culture taking over. So. I think uh, I think maybe the stock is lower for McLeod and, and and Jeff Scott right now, but I think maybe in two years or so that stock could be higher than Pratt and Fritz. What, what's your take? Yeah, I don't want to alarm Knights fans there. You said that you know uh, trying to invoke uh, Clemson and USF. By no means are you saying that USF can turn the next Clemson, but that you'll be able to bring some of that attitude down here to Tampa, Florida. No, I I, I would choose. Jordan McLeod and Jeff Scott. I also am high on Jeff Scott. I I think, you know, coming from a a big name program like Clemson, where you kind of have the blueprint, right, of what needs to be done. I I do like the direction that USF is going in, and I think they'll be competitive much sooner than later as we transition to the Sun Belt here. So we got Gunnar Watson. Uh, He's going to, of course, is uh, at Troy and Chip Lindsey. We got Grayson McCall and uh, Jamie Chadwell. Well, I'm a big fan of personally. We got Brady McBride and Jake Spavital, another uh, coach I'm a fan of. Desmond Trotter, USA, and their head coach, Steve Campbell. Uh, Got Colby Suits here, and their head coach is Matt Viator and Lane Hatcher and uh, Blake Anderson. Of course, this is presuming, you know, it is Lane Hatcher. Yeah, I, I, uh, Steve, I'll go here first to kind of give some time to process things. I know I threw about six names out of there at you. Big fan of Cornelius Brown. I, I, I like Sean Elliott as a coach, but I think Blake Anderson has a great pedigree with quarterbacks. I mean, you can go back really through his entire career and he's been able to produce great quarterbacks and a great offensive system. I, I honestly am, am at the point where you can put a lot of guys uh, under center for Blake Anderson and, and they're going to perform well. So provided that Blake Anderson and, and you know, much ado has been made about the story about his, his wife, Wendy, who, uh, who tragically passed away. So, you know, there had been some talk last year that Blake Anderson may step away. If he is, is going to be the coach, you know, for the foreseeable future, I, I give me Blake Anderson and any quarterback. But uh, yep. if I was to choose one outside of that, um, I'm, I'm going to buy high. Uh, I, I, I definitely, you know, once again, fan of Desmond Trotter and Steve Campbell. Just uh, got to see where where USA is going, but uh, I'm I'm gonna buy in on on Georgia State, Sean Elliott, and Cornelius Brown. I like it. I, I like that. Um, <laughs> so he, here's what my, my what my two are coming what I'm coming down to. Uh, I will come down to Grace McCall and Jamie Chadwell, and that's of course the, the sexy pick with the great season they're having so far. And uh, side note, I have a well, I'll tell you off air. I've got I've got a. Uh, a Jamie Chadwell story back when when he recruited me back when I was in high school that uh, that I'll I'll tell you off air and maybe a few uh, listeners if they if they're interested I can send my message anyways so I'll, I like that but I'm a Texas guy and I don't know if Chadwell is going to be there much longer just because the season they're having and with some coaching turnovers 
So I'm going with Jake Spavadol and Brady McBride, and here's why. So Jake Spavadol coaching, excuse me, coaching Geno Smith and coaching uh, Will Greer at West Virginia as the offensive coordinator or quarterbacks coach, one of the two. And before that being, oh, and also at uh, at Texas A&M, um, <clears throat> co- uh, coaching under uh, Coach Sumlin. And so he actually coached Johnny Manziel in, in the 2013 season. And so I'm going to take Jake Spavadil and that quarterback history tree and Brady McBride. And again, the only reason why I'm doing this over – the, the coastal pick is because I think like the stock is so high with coastal that, you know, if we're speaking from a, from a stock analogy, I can buy a lot more shares of the Brady McBride, Jake, Jake Spavadil, uh stock. And I think that in a few years, similar to what we said about USF, that stock could be pretty high. Steve, you play in the stock market, any? Uh, I, I know that's a random transition, but I, are you talking about buying high and low? You uh, yeah. invest in stocks and bonds? Uh, I, I do. I, I do. Uh, <laughs> some winners, some losers, but yeah, I do. <laughs> I'll let you divulge any more than that. We don't want to get you caught up with uh, you know, the SEC and anybody else <laughs> as we transition to Conference USA. And, of course, the, the, the combination you can look at here, Grant Wells and Doc Holliday. Gavin Hardison, Dana Dimmel, Austin Ani, Seth Luttrell, Bryson Lacero, and Bill Clark. I'll also throw two more in there that I forgive me, I, I didn't include. Um, Nick Tronti, although you know it appears right now he's not gonna be the starter, but you know, Nick Tronti slash JVM Posey and Willie Taggart, and also one that we didn't put in there, uh Aaron Allen and Skip Holtz. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Okay, so I guess I'm going first now. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll let you take it away there. Uh, so I think this is probably the toughest one for the simple fact that there's not necessarily like a, a, a quarterback guru necessarily, like for lack of better terms that has developed, you know, a lot of these quarterbacks, but I'm just going to take the obvious right now. This is a high stock, but you know, we'll, we'll, we'll buy high here and take Grant Wells. Um, just for the simple fact that Marshall has, excuse me, that that Marshall has, you know, developed good quarterbacks under Doc Holliday. I know Isaiah Green wasn't the, didn't end up exactly how Marshall fans necessarily wanted, but I think if you look at the, the, the the history of Marshall quarterbacks, I'm going to bank on Grant Wells being the next good quarterback under Doc Holliday. I'm going to go on a limb here and it's not to say I don't agree with you, but another guy who has a pretty good track record in his career in Conference USA, Skip Holtz. And I know I've talked about him a lot, his tenure at USF. That didn't go uh, as he would have liked, uh, as anyone in Tampa would have liked. But I am a believer in that once they have a normal offseason and they can kind of get things together, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens there. You know, whether Luke Anthony will still be the guy, you know, the grad transfer from Abilene Christian, we'll see. I think at some point you've seen enough out of Aaron Allen to know that he's a, a solid talent. And I, I like um, what Skip Holtz has been able to do there, specifically in that offense. You know, they've always, there's Jamar Smith or going back before that, you know, they've always been able to put together a solid quarterback, solid passing game. And also someone else who I will also buy in on, Willie Taggart, I don't think gets enough credit for his ability to develop quarterbacks. I know a lot of made of Willie Taggart over the past few years and, you know, the stops at Florida State and Oregon, but you go back, a completely different offense uh, at Western Kentucky, you know, with, with Mike White. Um, that that was able to be to be run to to success, and then also you know you look at USF and Quentin Flowers that was able to run to success as well. So I I think personally speaking that Willie Taggart and also remember the guy's a former quarterback. Yeah, I mean you, you got to remember that that part as well. The guy is is a is a former quarterback. So uh, I, I think Willie Taggart. I don't know if you want to touch on that really quick, but I think Willie uh, Taggart. Um, I, like, I like that pick. That, that was one I was actually thinking about. Uh, I, I like that Willie Taggart pick and the fact that. 
you know, he, he's going to have time to develop his guy, right? It's not like he's at Florida State where if, if you're under 500 for whatever, 15 games, you're, you're out. You know, he has time to develop his guy. So I, I like that pick. And uh, Steve, forgive me. You know, I hope Western Kentucky fans uh, don't hop into my mentions here as I uh, I uh, <laughs> made the mistake here. Uh, Mike White did play under Willie Taggart just at South Florida. He did not play under him at Western Kentucky. It was uh, Kwan James who who was there. Uh, so my mistake there on that one. Uh, so I want to make sure I, I uh, correct that. But, yeah, um, definitely I'm intrigued to see what Willie Taggart's able to do there with the quarterback position. We'll go ahead and close this one up, Steve. As always, you can find us on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Eric C. Henry underscore. underscore. You can find Steve on Twitter at Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, Hamner, H-A-M-N-E-R. You can find the podcast on Twitter at QB Spotlight. Please feel free. DM us. The only way we can take suggestions as far as what you guys want to hear. Feedback, agree, disagree. We are all ears. You can find the podcast online at Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening. Happy football watching. Happy holidays. Hope your Thanksgiving was well. Stay safe as we transition into the Christmas time. And we'll be back with another week for more QBs to Spotlight.